1: Inspirational stories or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You know, at aviationcareerspodcast.com, you can find the scholarships guide, career coaching, and various online courses. And don't forget, if you're looking for the scholarships guide, to use a coupon code PAY IT FORWARD. That's all in one word PAY IT FORWARD. through the generosity of others you may receive a scholarships guide for free and if you're interested in making a difference in someone's life you can pay it forward click on the pay it forward tab at the top Uh, you can actually buy a scholarships guide for somebody and it's only you know ten dollars for one year access to the scholarships guide and we're always updating this so go out there check out the video on the pay it forward to see how you can actually help somebody else uh, move forward in their career in their life. There are scholarships for everybody, not just people that want to do this as a career, but everybody that wants to get involved. Uh, with this month, we actually have thirty-two. I'm, I'm recording this in September. Uh, thirty-two new scholarships and twenty-seven updates, and we've also added some new international scholarships. I know people have been asking about those. Uh, we've had we started with Canada, and we're also moving south. Now, what we're trying to do is focus on uh, the people that actually listen to this podcast and trying to go to those areas. Uh, So for instance, Australia, we just added a whole bunch of new Australian uh, scholarships, and we're still trying to add more and more every day. I'm really excited about that. Alicia is doing a great job. She's our scholarships coordinator and is just banging it out of the park with the whole scholarships guide, and what she's been doing there has just been awesome. Uh, So check it out if you're from Australia and you're a listener. Uh, And also, uh, by the way, I know a lot of the folks from Ireland and Great Britain want scholarships. We're going to work on those next. So we're starting to move on. There's about 523 pages of scholarships. I know it's a big guide and there's a lot in there and people keep asking me when are we gonna make it an online directory? It's coming up probably another year or so before we do that because we used to have that and we're finding that this is a much less expensive way of doing it, but as we sell more, we might be able to afford to actually put that into a, a database online. We're going to try to do that in the future. Also, uh, another thing that I've been campaigning for is the Polk State College. Of course, I'm uh, the coach of a college flight team and if you can help uh, help us, maybe even by donating a few dollars, uh, and you know polkstateflightteam.com uh, slash donate and you can check that out as far as helping other students move forward in their careers, especially at Polk State, by helping support the flight team and for them to actually compete in the NIFA college competition. Learn more about that. Just check it out at polkstateflightteam.com. Well, today we are doing another question and answer session. Lots of questions coming in. Uh, We are actually about to finish up the, uh, let's see, August, I think is where we're at right now. Uh, or July, actually, this is the end of July, and then August, and then we'll be caught up for a little while here. But anyway, uh, let's move on and get into some of the really cool questions. Also, don't forget, I forgot to mention, if you're looking at uh, a guest or somebody you think might be a good guest, Tell them to check out How to Be a Guest on Aviation Careers Podcast. Short video. It's about seven minutes long. We'd love to hear their stories. And if you have a story and it's inspirational, I'd love to even interview you. And that'll teach you how to be a guest on the podcast. If you can't, you don't have time to come on, please write your story because I'd like to relate it here. And uh, and I'll even relate it by reading it here if, there's, if you don't have time to come on as a guest. We'd love to hear it. Those are the things that help people move forward as those really inspirational stories. Anyway, let's get to the questions. This one says, uh, good morning. I'm a V-22 Osprey pilot transitioning from active duty to the airlines and enjoyed your podcast on dispatchers. As a military pilot, can I take the FA dispatcher's test and waive the practical exam? Is it worth sitting for the test when I take my ATP written? Thank you for putting out such a great product. Well, thanks for the question. We actually answered this before, but uh, the reason we answered this one before is because we went out of order, in the questions. I want to come circle back to it again and make sure people understand this. Uh, and Adam Abouid, he's actually uh, someone who was on who did the dispatch course. Uh, at uh, Polk State College. And he answers a lot of our questions. We also had some other dispatchers that have been on the show uh, and uh, they actually been terrific talking about how to be a dispatcher and all the different types of jobs you can do besides being in an airline. So make sure if you're interested in being a dispatcher uh, and or any other topic, do me a favor. You may have heard the answers to these questions that have been asked in the past. We'll go out there and do a search and uh, put in dispatcher in the search, and you'll find all the different dispatcher uh, episodes we've had. Uh, also, we have the past episodes tab. We'll talk a little bit about dispatcher there. But the best way to do it is uh, look at the search uh, column and then just press search and hit dispatcher. Anyway, the question here about um, the FAA dispatcher's test, there's there's two exams okay, uh, that you need to take. The knowledge test, which is basically the ATP written, and the oral or slash the practical exam. It's an oral slash practical. So uh, you can't skip any of those. Uh, you have to take both of those exams. Uh, so yes, I'm, I think uh, what you're thinking about is in the past, you could just kind of take that exam Uh, You got your dispatcher's license, that type of thing, but it's uh, changed a little bit over time. So yes, you do have to, if you want to get your ATP and get your dispatcher's uh, exam, you can't waive the practical exam. Uh, So you have to sit uh, for that. Uh, And and it's important that you do that because uh, that's the new rules and that's the way it works. So no, uh, you have to definitely sit for that exam. Uh, So good question. I really appreciate that and keep them coming. And thank you for your service. Can't wait to see you at the airlines. Next question is coming in. It says, hello, Carl. I wanted to thank you for the podcast. It is very encouraging and motivating to me in my future flying career. I'm a private pilot with about 90 to 95 hours, and those are going up steadily as I just got back into flying after not flying for nearly eight years. Hopefully, if finances work out as I think they should, I should be able to get my instrument and commercial license within a year, and I'm hoping that'll happen also. My question for you is this. What are some aviation jobs for those with very low flying time? I like to start flying for hire as soon as possible after I obtain my commercial license and before I get my flight instructor rating. I do love teaching people and I'm looking forward to teaching people how to fly. But I'd like to start flying for a living as soon as possible. This may be a good topic for a podcast for those of us in the no man's land as far as hours are concerned. By the way, I'm glad to hear you got an airplane. I also fly a friend's Piper Cherokee 140. It's a great little flying airplane. Well, thanks for that. I, as a matter of fact, uh, as far as the Cherokee is concerned, this is actually a Cherokee 160. This is the 12th Cherokee off the line. Remember, they started off with the 150-160, and that actually, in the beginning, was related to the, uh, the horsepower. They came out with the 140 later on, Back, in, I think it was 1964, they came out with the 140, uh, and that was originally without the seats in the back, a little bit less expensive version so to do some training, but uh, the one that I have is a little shorter than, than some of the other ones, just a couple inches, and it's, uh, it's really uh, been a lot of fun. It's cool to see people when they get in it and look around and say, oh my gosh, you know, where is everything? Because traditionally, after it was a 68, they started changing the instrument panel a lot more ergonomic after 68 so uh, what's interesting is is getting in an airplane this is kind of a a, a point I want to make when you're getting into an airplane you think you know you may not really know it always always look in your POH your operating manuals and try to go over them before you fly the airplane because even me I, I hadn't flown this type of airplane in god I can't remember 30 years and I got in and I tried starting it and I was like oh you know, I forgot something. How to, you know, and even in the checklist, it's like, gosh, it's it's so different than all the other Cherokees I've flown for the past thirty years. Uh, so it's uh, it's a really cool airplane. Uh, but the lesson to be learned out of that is to go and. And make sure you get checked out in the specific airplane you're flying, because some of the older airplanes even the newer ones, the instruments are different spots, the operating procedures are different. Even the PA twenty eight line, which this is part of, there's many different types of PA twenty eights out there. Uh, so, uh, so make sure that you read the manuals, just like you do at the airlines. But getting back to your question, as far as aviation jobs uh, for the low flying pilot, right after your commercial, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do. Uh, you can tow gliders, you can go out there tow banners, uh, you can actually deliver airplanes. You can get jobs. Uh, another thing that happens is a lot of people like to uh, get jobs, usually in the smaller airplanes because that's the insurance that can cover them, uh, is flying, say, from point A to point B in somebody's, uh, it's like, a 206 or a, or a 182. A good example, 182. Uh, there's people out there that have a business that just started in aviation, and they, they're not sure if they really want to use an airplane for business, and they'll start off with a single-engine aircraft and they'll start flying. A good example is my partner. I used to have a 182, and my partner in the plane had an engineering firm, and he would fly that airplane all over the state of Florida. And he realized that he needed something bigger later on. So... He bought himself a Baron. And while he was getting the Baron up to speed, he was using the 182. And that was a, a terrific tool for that person. Uh, and that's where most people get started in a single engine aircraft. Uh, sometimes they get, they move into the King Airs right away. They start realizing really. To have the, the utility they need to do some transportation of different uh, people, like in his case, engineers, he needs something bigger. Uh, need a six seater. Need a twin engine. You know, more more redundancy, that type of thing. Doing hard IFR all the time. Found out the uh, the 182 wasn't really good for him. So there's one. Uh, Fairing airplanes is another. Here's another way you can uh, actually a uh, uh, flying jet. It's well. Uh, I caution on this one. I want to mention as a flying job, but it really isn't. It If you notice at a flight school that you're flying for, they ask for people to move airplanes. Many of the times you can actually get a lot of flight time in by moving airplanes, and sometimes they don't pay you. Uh, so as far as flying jobs, let me back up a little bit here as far as that's concerned. What do we mean by flying jobs? We're, I think what you're more referring to is actually uh, using your commercial license so that you can... Uh, build some hours and i get it you want to make some money too Uh, but flying for hire i think is specifically what you said but if if that's not what you meant i just want to put in there that a lot of schools and a lot of people like you to move airplanes be careful uh, as far as some of these uh, jobs are concerned Uh, not all that uh, glitters is gold as they say so some of these jobs out there they may seem like they're wonderful but you may not get the flying time in that you want Remember, that's the most important right thing right now. It's not as much making money, I know, I get it. You wanna make money right away and you, and you wanna jump out there, but it's really the flight time. So for instance, if you get a job where they're gonna pay you two, say three, $400 a day, that sounds great, but if you're only flying two-tenths of an hour a day, you're not gonna get much flying time in. If you're just looking at the money, it makes sense. If you're looking at it for flight time, doesn't make sense. It does make sense also for networking. So you have to really be careful. What it's gonna, is it going to help you in the future? If it is, then do it. If it's not, then don't do it. If you're going to get sit there and get frustrated by sitting around an airport all day and not doing any flying, that's not good. Uh, no matter what the money is. So make sure you, you take that into perspective there. But it sure beats other jobs, right? Uh, if you're going to get a job flying and get paid, that's what you want to do. So other different jobs out there as far as flying is concerned, there's many aerial survey, uh, aerial photography. Uh, there's, there's a lot, there's many, many different jobs that you can go f- towards. And I know people talk about cargo and that type of thing. It's, uh, some of those are, are dwindling a little bit. Some of the aerial survey is, uh, some of the aerial photography is because of the drones, but it's not gotten rid of all of that. So those are still out there. So uh, keep looking is my advice. And uh, so there's many different options out there. And if you're somebody listening right now and there's something that I didn't mention, please write in and say, hey, Carl, I got another job that you can do before you get your CFI that will help build ours. I will say right now because of the big pilot shortage we have right now and have had for years, it is a good idea to get your CFI just because of the fact that they're just pushing so many people through these programs uh, and they need instructors, that's for sure. Thanks for the question. Well, let's move on to the next question. It says, hello, Aviation Curves podcast. I'm a huge fan of this show, and I'm a private pilot with about 80 hours of flying, considering making the jump to continue on with my ratings and becoming a professional pilot. I'm only one year out of college and just turned 25, so I'd be a little behind the age curve, but no big deal. Flying is flying. That being said, I have two questions that are totally unrelated to other than the fact that they have to do with aviation. And and by the way... I know you think you're behind the curve at 25 years old. Uh, you know, I do the career coaching. Most of my career coaching is with military folks that are rotating out, looking towards jobs. Many of them haven't flown in a while because they moved up the, the chain of command, and, uh, and now they're finally moving back into aviation. The others are enlisted that want to learn how to get into aviation, and the other folks are, are people that are doing uh, job transitions. Most of those people are in their 40s, okay? You're 25. I know. I get it. I know what you feel like. It was a, I had the same feeling when I got out of college. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, here I am. I found something I really like to do. I'm behind the power curve. You're not. Uh, you are where you are. Be happy with where you are. You need to start moving forward. So, so get that out of your head. Uh, don't let that negativity get into your head. You are where you are. You're going to become what you want to become, and that's the most important thing. Getting on to your uh, questions here. He says, number one, one of the biggest concerns with being a pilot would be having a family emergency arise, that I need to take an extended leave. Uh, For instance, my parents are older, but still have plenty of life left, but I want to be there for them as much as possible as they get older. I realize going on trips, I'm away, and there's nothing I can do there, but let's say one of them becomes hospitalized or something. How do the airlines handle that? If I'm on a trip, can they send me home early? Or... If I have a trip coming up, can I take myself off for an extended period? It has to be fairly common. I've just never heard about how it's handled. Uh, so, there's. Uh, let's answer this question first of all, and uh, before we get into your next one, you. The one thing you have to understand is, I know the. We. I'm not sure we've talked about this. I know. I think we have it in the past, but. Everybody has these situations. You know, I went through it with my parents before they passed um, and we have people that get sick. That's the way life is. So let's talk a little bit about how the airlines handle this. First of all, obviously there's a sick call. You're sick, then you can't come into work. Sometimes you use that for little things. If it is, uh, say there is a, a family member that does get sick and it's not you, you may use that. But what you're talking about is say prolonged sickness, a prolonged illness or having to help out on a continual basis but you d- you don't know what to do. So there's a couple things here. Number 1, you ask what happens while you're on a trip. It's really easy. They take you off the trip. You call up, you say, "Listen, uh, and I've ha- I had this happen. My dad went in the hospital. I told the company, "Hey, listen, you know, my dad, you know, just had a heart attack and I need to he's going up for surgery. You know, what do I do?" And they said, listen, go out to the airplane, pre-flight the plane, and we're going to handle it. And sure enough, someone comes, you know, the chief pilot comes down to the airplane and says, hey, listen, they're holding an airplane for you to fly you back up to Newark. Uh, get on that plane as soon as you can. And I uh, went over to the gate, and uh, the gate agent's like, why are we holding this plane for you? I said, well, this is what happened. It's like, wow. Wow. That was really cool that the company did that for me. I think mean, that was really, really awesome. This is uh, while I was a regional airline pilot, and that was absolutely terrific because it was the mainline partner that held the airplane. Um, so they'll do that. Uh, they'll emergency, you can get a, what's called an emergency drop while you're on a trip. They'll find another pilot. Sometimes uh, they can't find another pilot. They may ask you, are you fit to fly? If you're too distracted, don't do it. Uh, I know I've I've been in that situation where I was distracted while I was flying and I shouldn't have been flying while I had a... A, a sick family member. Most importantly, don't fly if you're distracted. So, if you need to get off a trip, there's this other thing out there uh, and another tool that you can use. It's called FMLA. And uh, I just talked about emergency leave, and that's where you can drop and say, hey, I got to get home. There's another thing you might want to look towards in the Family Medical Leave Act. Uh, it's called FMLA, and it allows you to actually go on leave. Uh, either for your own sickness or for a family member that you're taking care of, and this is a really this is a really interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize there is there are ways to get paid, uh, depending on who you work for. And I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but just I want you to realize that there are times when you will get paid for that. There are ways to get paid while you're on leave. There's unpaid and paid leave on on Family Medical Leave Act. There's also another interesting thing. It's called intermittent FMLA, and that allows you to take time off with your family, like intermittently, as it says. So for instance, say you are caring for somebody, and the person gets sick maybe once every three to six months. You know, I had this happen with my family. Uh, so I call up say, hey, listen, I've got to drop this trip. I'm using my FMLA. They can't ask you anything. Uh, you just drop the trip. You're off the trip. They find somebody else. Remember, they have reserves. Most airlines have reserves just for that that right there, because remember how things work in an airline, or you probably haven't seen this, but we're autonomous. When there's a trip that we're going to go on, we just show up at the airplane. There's no chief pilot. There's nobody checking you in. You just go to the airplane and fly the airplane. Uh, There are some airlines that require you to check in, say, two hours before the flight, but they don't know... Even if they have you check in two hours before the flight, they don't know what's going on in your life until you check in or you show up the airplane. So the best thing to do in those situations is just tell them in advance and say, "Hey, listen, this is what's happening. I can't come in. Find a reserve to do that. Uh, it's it happens. Um, you know, again, I've had to do it. I was mid trip, and uh, you know." my father passed and i told him listen i'm i'm not doing this trip anymore there's just no way i can fly an airplane right now and sure enough they pulled me off the trip gave me emergency medical or emergency leave it's called it's a little different that's uh and they they change it to what's called bereavement leave, and those are another type of leave. Uh, but in your case, yeah, it's uh, if you have uh, you're having a baby, those kind of things. There's there's many different types of leave. Different states have laws, uh, you know, maternity leave. There's there's all types of things, and that actually is it. This is such a good point. I, I'm so glad you brought this up because of the fact that there a lot of us don't consider this as a job because of the f- fact that we're away from family so much, but. but it's not always the case. I know I get it. For instance, I'm going to go away tomorrow afternoon. I'm not coming back. It's Friday, right? I'm not, or tomorrow's Friday, and I'm not going to come back till Sunday afternoon. I'm away from my family. Uh, a, good ex- <laughs> a good example is while I was on a trip, the, uh, something happened with the swimming pool. And my wife didn't know how to turn it off, and she uh, she was freaking out. So here I am on a trip, and now I'm having to deal with this thing back home with my swimming pool. And so it's or say the air conditioning breaks, or there's a plumbing issue back home. Those are the kind of things we get we're afraid of. But you know that happens at work, and I get it. When you're working locally, you can drive home and deal with those issues if you have to. Uh, But but everybody has a life. These things happen. Just don't forget that we're all humans and. Uh, this job, yes, being away is tough, but it's not as bad as, say, some other jobs. For instance, like in the military, uh, airlines, as far as passengers are concerned, uh, many times they're, you're only gone, say, for two days, maybe three, four, five. Like I do five-day trips. I'm gone for five at a time or I'm gone for three at a time. Uh, you just have to make sure that you have in place different, you know, procedures for your family to, to do certain things. I know with like my wife, I give her, a, I tell her what to do as far as turning off the pool. If something really bad were to happen, we had a, we sprung a leak, uh, with the system is water spewing everywhere. Well, she knows to run in the garage and there's a thing labeled, you know, pool pump and turns it off. Same thing with the plumbing, all the all the numbers and stuff like that. You're not there to help, and it's tough. I get it. It's part of the job, and if it's if this is something you want to do. Then yeah, you might want to think about trying to get a senior enough so you can do turns. There's some people that hardly ever go away uh, for long trips, and they do. I don't do turns. I like when I go in, I like to stay there, uh, and then get it done. So uh, there are by turns. I mean, you just go in, you fly somewhere, and come back. You never go on overnights. Um, But for me, I like to go visit. So yes, this is is it's common, and I wouldn't uh, worry about that. It does happen you will you have in your contract or whatever with your company they'll explain what would happen in this case Um, so great question though i'm I'm glad we took a little time to explain that as far as what to do if uh, someone gets sick while you're on a trip so the second uh point you come in you said you were looking at airline pilot central and every airline has tons of mandatory retirements coming up over the next decade or so uh do you think this will drastically change how senior slash junior some bases get for example in denver there's like united frontier and southwest hubs uh everyone and their cousins moving to denver it's a very senior base uh but with mandatory retirements do you see this changing i know that it varies with airline and base etc but was just wondering a lot of times the seniority of a base okay this is this is kind of interesting it's based a lot of times on size uh, so there are junior people that can get into what used to be a very senior base. And if the base really grows, and you're going to see some more junior folks move in there. A lot of it has to do with numbers. What you find is the smaller bases go super senior. And because of the fact there's a smaller pool of pilots that they pick from that can go there, and usually the people that want to go there are the people that live there. So once they get in, they don't leave. Uh, so, for instance, say there's a base that's uh, in a city uh, like Denver. Say Denver was a really small hub. You mentioned, uh, let's see, Frontier. Uh, it was really small uh, at first and then grew. At first, it went super senior. It still is somewhat senior, but there are some more junior people finally coming in. at United, again, another good example, super senior, but there's more junior people moving in. Number one, because of retirements, yes, that's true because they have to bring people in. But remember, there's a lot of people moving to that area that want to live there. So uh, so yes, uh, that seniority thing goes up and down uh, and it all depends on where people are wanting to move to. Here's the big thing though, in, in any base out there, you wind up seeing uh, certain people move to certain bases and it becomes senior for a couple of reasons. One of them is that it's a great place to live. Denver is a, a good example. I love Denver, I'm going there tomorrow. And it's a it's a wonderful city and there's just some incredible things to do and it's, it's very affordable in certain areas. So that's why people are moving there. Some cities that are incredibly expensive, look at New York. I mean, they talk about that being soon junior. That's junior because it's usually big and there's people that don't want to live there because it's so expensive. But when they started out the base up there, there, there was a lot of people from that area. So it went kind of senior there. Those people are hanging on. So that's how things go. Uh, seniority, as far as um, in the next decade or so, some of these uh, bases go in junior, yes, it actually, uh, it will vary based on that, but also based on other things, you know, not just mandatory retirement, it's also the, the shrinking and the growing of the airline uh but uh, anyway hope that helps uh i'll continue on he says thanks in advance for your response i always love learning about aviation and get more and more excited with every episode i'm really intrigued by the idea of adjunct instructor position seems like a great way to get more time at home I learn something new every time I listen to your show. Keep up the good work. If you ever have a layover in Denver, please reach out. I'd love to talk aviation with someone as outspoken and genuine as you, Carl. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Denver, I will be there. I'm hoping uh, I may, you know, tell people I'm there or not. I do have to visit with family while I'm there, uh, but uh, maybe uh, maybe not this trip, but I have another one coming up, uh, but I will uh, let people know. I haven't been doing that as much as I said I would because it turns out every time I have a layover, I'm actually laying over in places where my family is, and Denver is one of them. Uh, love Denver, by the way. Really cool place, uh, and I can see why <laughs> a lot of people want to move there. Uh, As far as the adjunct professor position is concerned, remember uh, Justin Nash talked about that. So do a search on adjunct instructor. Just type in adjunct uh, in the search engine. You'll see that come up. We talked a little bit about that. As far as the idea of an adjunct, Justin's a great example. He actually decided that's what he wanted to do. He had his kids. He wanted to be home. So he wound up working as an adjunct professor, uh, adjunct instructor. So he's not away from home as much. One thing that happened is that it caused him to move a little bit closer to uh, his base, excuse me, a little bit closer to where the training center is. Where the training center is is where he moved so that he could actually do that adjunct professor position and also be close enough. And what happened is he went full-time as an instructor and he's actually in that base now full-time. When the kids get older, he's thinking about moving out as an adjunct. Uh, So there is one option there. Uh, I know there's the other philosophy too, by the way, Uh, the opposite of the way he's thinking, That people want to get away. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I fly with, especially the younger pilots, talking about how, oh, my God, it's great to get away so I can get some sleep. You know, my kids have been waking me up at night, that type of thing. (laughs) So uh, a lot of times I get it. That's what happens when you're on the road. You get more sleep. And that's the other thing I do, too, is that when I'm away, I don't do anything with the podcast Uh, Or try not to. I wind up doing a little bit. But I try not to schedule anything, like coaching sessions and stuff like that. And I like to relax. And that's my time to really, really get away and relax. Every so often, I'll bring uh, my wife along. We'll go do something. Uh, But uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Sometimes what will happen is, uh, and I've talked about this before, I'll bring my wife along and then we'll stay wherever we are. I'll finish my trip and she'll just stay at the hotel or at my uh, relative's house and I'll go back and just spend the week. Because usually my schedule such that I, uh, for instance, I'm on three days and I have five days off. So I'll be able to hang out there, which is really cool. Uh, anyway, great questions. I really appreciate it. this. That was a really, really good question, really well thought out. Uh, so, yeah, emergencies uh, and uh, as far as seniority, things do change. And, yeah, it's going to affect things. Uh, but, uh, but you never know how things are going to be affected based on what the airline does as far as moving. Uh, Anyway, next question. This will be our last one for the episode. This is a really good one, so I want to talk a little bit about this. Good discussion here. Says Good afternoon. I'm writing you because I recently started listening to your podcast. I've been going back and catching up on a lot of the older episodes. I'm currently an airline pilot, and my 17-year-old son is a senior in high school and wants to start a flying career. He's already chosen to go to a four-year college. I'm writing, though, because while I've been listening to all your podcasts about the industry, you claim to be transparent and talk about the good and the bad. I love flying, I love my job, and I love my career. I love my time at the regionals as well, but I've been trying to tell him about the good and bad as well. I want him to know everything he can, and I want him to hear from others as well, which is why I had him start listening to your podcasts after the announcement yesterday. And by the way, this is uh, this happened back in uh, uh, August. Yeah, August um, is where he's talking about. So some of the some of these I'm, I'm reading a little bit later. But anyway, August of 2019. Anyway, he, re- he says, after the announcement yesterday, I am w- reminded of what a cutthroat industry, the regional business is. While I've heard you state many times that furloughs can happen anytime, and you have stated for bad business decisions and such, but never the reason that we saw it occurred yesterday to two regionals who were the thriving just last week. This announcement came out ironically when I was listening to the episode about GoJet, was just done in February this year, and now today they just lost half their flying and seniority list. I bring this up because I don't think, and I can't find an episode that you have done on regional model and business and how it works. There are almost certainly more cuts to come in the near future. Thanks for the podcast you do. They have greatly helped me talk to my son about his future training. A lot of things have changed since I got my ratings back in the early 90s. Sorry I'm running on such a bad subject, but I went through that myself while I was in the regionals, and I feel it's important for future pilots to understand how it works. Uh, Thank you. There's um, interesting that you mentioned this because I think I've mentioned this in the past, uh, but it happened to me. I worked for actually was the number one airline to work for at the time, and uh, the major partner decided that they were the regionals major partner decided hey listen we're going to send some flying over to another regional you used to be our only regional that was flying for us that that just changed we're taking 64 airplanes they took 64 airplanes and gave it to another airline that's how i got involved in this business actually uh, is in helping people. Is I became the furlough representative for the the airline pause association. At the time, it was called Continental Express, and everybody wanted to go there. This is after you know, Comair. Same thing happened. You know, gone. Great place to work, um, and it's happened many times since. So this isn't unique. This has happened in the past, and it's happened uh, not long ago too. To uh, I can't remember the name of the airline now, but uh, to another regional airline. It's much smaller. So here, let's talk a little bit about that business model. The regional airlines do not sell tickets for the most part, by the way. There are some that do. But for the most part, the regional airlines do not sell tickets. It's their major airline partner that sells the tickets. The regional airline is a contractor to the major airline at any moment that major airline can decide that they want to hire another contractor it's just like when you hire a contractor for say working on your home and the contractor isn't working out well well you can go to somebody else and those folks that work at that regional yeah they're going to start having to look other places for jobs Uh, in the in our case where they shifted flying away Uh, Luckily, there were some other airlines that were hiring, but most of them uh, went on furlough. And that's kind of how the industry works. You have, at this point, Uh, That happened recently to uh, another airline, and I'm really, it's bumming me out that I can't remember the name, but, uh, and those people that I was working with, they were actually able to get jobs at other airlines, because right now, there's this big hiring environment. Uh, It's not just bad business decisions, it's business decisions by people that you have no control over. So that's why I always tell people that you really should consider working for a major uh, for the people that are actually selling the tickets, you know, for instance, United Airlines sells tickets, right? And then other airlines uh, fly those flights for them. The regionals do. Some airlines don't have regionals. Um, some airline, like a good example, is like Southwest. They use a little bit of regional fee, but not. On a on a consistent basis, like a place like a United does, and United's going to shift the, that flying to many different uh, other regionals. Remember, Continental, good example. I mean, it's uh, that that airline's even gone now, where a lot of that air, a lot of that flying has shifted. So, not to get too technical as uh, fee for departure, that type of thing, but but just realize this: that every regional airline out there, I should say, 95 oh, percent of them you're not gonna buy tickets on. Some regionals do some selling of tickets for some local routes, uh, but in general, if you're getting on, say, uh, you bought a ticket on American Airlines, you're not necessarily flying on an American Airlines airplane, you may be flying on a regional. But the thing you gotta realize is that they are, you're representing that brand. So you are flying for American through a subsidiary or through a contractor, there's one of the two. So sometimes there's subsidiaries, sometimes are contractors. This is it to make it simple, you're only you are a contractor when you're a regional airline. If some other regional comes in and says we're going to do the same flying, same planes, half the price, that airline may consider that and they may go with the other airline. That's happened and it keeps happening even in this environment. So this this whole thing that we're talking about like what happened with certain airlines GoJet and that type of thing, yeah, that actually uh, that can happen at any time, any time, uh, and that's why you want to work for an airline that sells tickets, meaning a, an American, a Delta, that type of thing. That's why sometimes staying at the regionals isn't a great idea unless. Now, let's. I, I know there's going to be a lot of people give me feedback on this one. I have a lot of friends that are at the regionals, making a career of it. If you do find a regional that you absolutely love, and there are some really good, strong regionals out there financially, make good business decisions, and they're the premier uh, regionals that the majors go to for feed, then yes, those are the ones you you can stay at, especially if it if you enjoy it. Um, so, so I'm not saying don't don't stay at the regionals, but in general, it's a little more stable to go to the majors, um, and look at the majors too. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, now that we're on a a sore subject as far as furloughs are concerned. This is something that's really concerning me. And I remember before this quote-unquote pilot shortage came up, I was blasted by the Airline Pilots Association, by all the leadership there, and uh, said there is no pilot shortage. And uh, so for years I've been taking a lot of heat. So I'm going to take a lot of heat for what I'm about to say here. Uh, You know, if if we do have, uh, say, a recession, say we have a recession or some other seminal event, you know, uh, God forbid some type of terrorist attack, et cetera, the airlines will start, you know, furloughing possibly, or a good example. I know we have all these retirements, but if you look at the numbers, I've done the math on this. If you look at the numbers for the average number of furloughs, which is ten to twenty percent of the pilot workforce, that's years of worth of hiring. So the airlines, and this happens has happened in the past. The major airlines have shut down hiring overnight and haven't hired for years. Uh, and the other thing, uh, I don't want to get too confusing here, but the furloughees that are out there say they say furlough 100 pilots. Usually it's thousands. Say they or hundreds even. So say they furlough 100 pilots in airline. They go through. We go through a recession. Those pilots are eligible for recall when they need to hire more. So then they start recalling these pilots. Well, they got to go through those recalls first before they can start hiring. So there's a double whammy. So you lose all these people, right? Now they got to bring them back so they don't have to hire. They're taking out of the pool of pilots that are on furlough. The furloughees can actually, in many of the contracts, say, forget it. I'm not coming back. I'm going to defer my furlough. And we've seen this happen, that there are people on furlough with airlines while the airlines are hiring. And you're sitting there scratching your head, how could that be? Well, that's because those furloughees have gotten jobs doing other things. And they're trying to put off coming back to that airline. And then they're waiting for their seniority, especially if they get their seniority raises while they're on furlough. And then they go back, and all of a sudden, boom! They're a captain, that type of thing. And we've, I've had a guest on here who did that. Um, the uh, the Chris Pazala is a good example. Uh, he went on a leave of absence during the, the furlough. Instead of getting furloughed, he went on leave, and got his uh, MBA, did his law degree, and said, "Okay, I'm ready to come back." When he came back, he's at the point of being able to hold captain. When he came back, so he, he he'd he'd forego being a, a you know a, a FO for a long time. Uh, on reserve. So all these things that we talk about, and uh, I'm a whole, I'm so glad you brought this up because that is one thing I always want to tell people is there's the there's the good and the bad. Uh, and this isn't any career. So it's not just specific to ours. There's shortages and there's gluts of employees. And in the times of furlough, those are the tough times when you're supposed to, you want to keep building your hours as much as you can while you're trying to survive by paying your bills. But remember, just like you said, that And I've said in the past, it can change overnight if the major carrier says to the regional, hey, listen, we're going to use somebody else. And so I think that's the point you're trying to make. So, yes, uh, look at your regional, but uh, always have a contingency plan. Uh, you may see a regional you think is the best thing in the world, and all of a sudden it goes away. Look at the Comairs, Airs. Uh, look at the Continental Expresses. You know, things really had changed there. And that was uh, that was pretty much overnight, just like happened here to Gojeb. But with that said, uh, things turn around, and the worm always turns. That's what someone always told me, and they're very they're correct about that. What might be the worst regional to fly for might be the best next year, or what's the best this year might be the worst next year. So uh, it's hard to make those decisions. You try to uh, get as much inside uh, knowledge as you can, make an educated decision. A lot of it comes down to uh, a little bit of luck. It just, that's just the way life is. And for instance, in my career, as far as flying, my luck has always been bad. I've always <laughs> been stuck in the downturns when I'm getting hired, like at a major or at a regional. Uh, so it's just the way it is. But I still love my job just like you do. Uh, you love your job. And I think that's great that you, uh, your son is actually looking at becoming a pilot. And just, just remember, this can happen anytime, anytime. There's ups and downs in every career. Well, thanks so much. I hope that answered your question. I hope that um, again. I don't mind. I wouldn't say it's negative. It's just a fact of life that these things happen, uh, and you have to have contingency planning for it. Uh, so that you have to plan. Hey, what's going to happen if I get furloughed, etc. Uh, and that's just the way life is. We do that when we're flying. What do you th- you think about that while you're flying? What happens if engine quits? That type of thing. So. Uh, Anyway, I talked about this years ago, so it's great review uh, that we talk about it again as far as the contact flying. So, uh, thanks so much for for bringing it up. Well, gosh, folks, I, I'd love to keep going, but I know we're up against a hard time break here, and these have been some great questions. Keep them coming in. Feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, uh, go click on how to be a guest. Also, don't forget, if you want to make a difference in someone's life, click on the Pay It Forward Buy a scholarship's guide for somebody else so that they can move forward in their careers and their life. And this has been great. This has been a wonderful discussion, and I can't wait to talk to you on the next episode. But one thing I think that's really important that you need to do, you need to do something. You have to get up. If you're listening to this, you're sitting there, get up. Do something now. Do something today to move forward in your career and in your life. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying.